Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. You're listening to the Life as Leadership podcast. Are you looking for motivation and encouragement on your path to becoming a better leader? If so, you've come to the right place. Keep listening to find a community of leaders committed to learning and taking action to improve their world. The Life as Leadership podcast, where leaders gather to grow together. Here's your host, Josh Friedemann. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Today, we're going to be discussing Monday's interview with Sherry Lowe, who's known as the Queen of Free. She paid off $127,000 of debt. And on Monday, we talked with her about some of the leadership principles that we can learn from her experiences. Join me back in the studio this week are my friends and fellow leaders, Caleb Friedemann and Maria Hardiman. So what did y'all think about Monday's interview with Sherry? Sherry is clearly a very down-to-earth person, very easy to listen to, and I feel like she's been, well, we know that she's been very successful in getting out of debt. She seems like she has an awesome support system, which is really inspiring. I love the way that she was excited about her marriage and how they got through getting out of debt together and just how personal she got in the whole interview. It was really good. Caleb, how about you? Yeah, I was just really impressed by how energetic and proactive Sherry is. It was just exciting to see how she took a massive problem, (laughs) $127,000 in debt, and not only conquered that, but is also helping other people to do the same thing. And Sherry, if you're listening to this, please forgive us because we don't know the exact dollar and cent amount like (laughs) you do. We know that that the amount is something that's very personal for you, as you said in Monday's interview. But... uh, You know, Sherry talked about how she had lived her life. She and her husband had lived their lives in such a way that they were slowly just accumulating debt over time. It wasn't anything excessive that they had. It was just slowly they were paying for stuff with money that they didn't have. But at some point, there was something that caught their attention. And it was related to uh, having children, starting a family and things like that. It, It made them rethink how they've been living their lives. So I'm wondering, has there been a time in your life where you've kind of gone down a path for too long. And then there was something that happened that got you out of that rut, kind of like what happened with Sherry and her husband. Yeah, I was I was thinking of a time in my life. So back in 2010, I got this grant to go teach uh, Greek and Hebrew in India. And I spent the first few weeks of the summer getting ready to go there and then travel to India, flew in, and I had about five or six weeks I was going to be teaching at this Bible college in southern India. And the first day that I was there, they took me around to tour the school a little bit. And they walked me into this classroom, and we're just going around seeing all the different places. And walking into one classroom, somebody's already teaching in there. There's a class of students in front of them. And the guy that's with me, the administrator, stops the teacher, and he says, all right, uh, turns to me and says, you go. So you teach now. And I'm like, what, what's the class on? He's like, it's on the Psalms. Oh and boy. I, and I'm, I'm like, uh, I don't know uh, anything about Psalms. So anyway, I just stumbled through something for five or 10 minutes and I'm glad to get out of there. We get out of the next classroom and the same drill happens. There are more students in the room and he walks in, tells the teacher to stop. He says, okay, you go. But he says, you go for the rest of the period, which is like 45 minutes. And so I run back to my room, get my Greek New Testament and, and walk in and just go f- for 45 minutes with no problems. 
And what I learned there was just that in one classroom, I was able to give the students a lot because I prepared in the other one, I was utterly worthless. And that just really made every educational moment matter all the more to me from that point forward. I went back and did my senior year of college and it was just totally different. Hmm. That's powerful. Wow. How about you, Maria? <laughs> Any, anything you can think of? That's I, awesome. I, any experiences teaching other languages in foreign countries? <laughs> I am um, actually, yeah, I, not with the languages part, but I did learn a huge lesson about um, trust. I had a way of thinking for a really long time, I would say for over 10 years of, I guess, trying to convince myself that my leaders loved me and I could trust them and kind of going through that emotional circus in my mind. Do they have my best interest in mind? And it wasn't until I had a leader who I particularly did not get along with until um, they stopped me and they said, you know, we can be on the same team. We can have each other's backs without seeing eye to eye. And it really made me stop in my tracks and go, oh, we can be on the same team and <laughs> and, and not think exactly alike, but it's going to be okay because you care for me and I care for you. And that, you know, was an emotional breakthrough for me because um, I really was thinking one way. And when he, when he said that, it was like, okay, I can I can think differently and I can love to a greater capacity because I'm, I'm more secure in my trust of leadership. Yeah. So your answers to the question I'm about to ask may be the same as the answers <laughs> okay. to the question I just asked. But as we look at Sherry's life, we see that there's really this one small choice that she and her husband made that really changed the trajectory of their lives. And so perhaps those instances you just talked about are those types of catalytic moments. But can you point to times in your life that you made this one small choice, and even if it didn't seem like a big deal at the time, ended up making a big difference down the road? Uh, as an example, Ari Satok, who's in episode 16, he showed up to the wrong class in college, and it really changed the whole focus of his life. And that's something really powerful. Are there times like that in your lives that you can point to, even if they're not quite that extreme? So I I think my indie experience that I mentioned just a minute ago would definitely fall into that category for me. But I had another moment about three years ago, just about this time of year. I was in this PhD program and getting to write a dissertation. And my project that I thought was going to work up to that point, I realized was not going to. And basically, over a few months that summer, back in 2016 or so, I think, I had to re-envision the dissertation and then start from scratch at the beginning of the third year of the program. Wow. And I was hoping to be done in four years. So basically what that meant was I was going to have to write the thing in, in you know, a year and a half or something like that or less. And so I just started looking as I was going into that. I started trying to figure out people who've excelled in this program, how have they excelled? And one of the small tips that someone gave me was write a little bit every day. So I just really took that to heart and gave myself a 500 word a day quota and just every morning I would wake up and that's that was my main goal for that day was write 500 words. I had no other main things to do in life. That was just <laughs> it. And I wrote the thing in 15 months, I think, and got out of there in four years, which is really difficult to do. But it, it really just came down to that small daily discipline and just making a decision that I'm going to get up and do this no matter yeah. what. Yeah, that's awesome. I, as a manager of a uh, of a transitional home, I get to pick and choose when I can be vulnerable and honest and show kind of how my day is going in the midst of how their day is going. And uh, I made a small choice uh, about a month ago to be really honest with my emotions um, within reason. You know, if I'm sad, I'm sad. If I'm happy, I'm happy. If I'm excited, I'm excited. And that really changed um, 
the dynamics inside of the the transitional home. Uh, I had some girls come to me after and say, hey, because you were honest about that situation, I felt like I could be honest about this one. And so that's a small change that I made in my workplace and trying to get along with these girls and just be honest about where I am. That's really powerful. And it's also interesting to think about what you're doing today that could turn into those types of decisions. Like what types of decisions are you making today or this month or this year that could end up really influencing your life? I was just in a, a strategic foresight class for my PhD program. And one of the, one of the things they talk about is the future looks very unknown because it is, but then you look back to the past and you're like, It couldn't have happened any other way. But the reality is, just like there are so many alternatives in the future, leading up to the present, there were so many possibilities as well. But we just made certain decisions that led us down a single path. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, our, our days and our lives are full of possibilities. And really, the decisions that we make today can make a huge difference down the road. So it's Mm -hmm. worth thinking about what are the decisions, either good or bad, that you're making today that are going to be those things that shape your future. Yeah, you know, one thing I was thinking about as I was listening to Sherry was this issue in leadership of how do you motivate yourself to make those important but often difficult decisions, both individually and as a leader? How, how, do, how do you make those decisions? Well, and, and how do you even just get yourself into that mode? Because it's not easy to make that decision where you say, okay, we're going to have to discipline our lives radically to get out of this debt. You know, how do you do that? Yeah. Well, looking to Sherry's life, it was because of some catalytic moment. There's something that prompts you. And so the problem gets bad enough in a sense. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so I think there's something there. You, you really have to feel like there's a need. Sometimes you have a personality that you can kind of work that up from within. And I think that's optimal. A lot of times when you try to push people forward, when they're not ready, that doesn't end up being as effective as if they felt that desire internally. Mm-hmm. So also, as we're thinking about leadership, the question is how can you create that intrinsic internal motivation for your followers? Because if you are trying to motivate people from the outside by you know giving them gifts or giving mm-hmm. them more money or whatever else, that will work, but that really creates this attitude, this culture where people are expecting things if they do well, right. but you really want to create something inside of people and inside of yourself where the reason that you're, you're doing hard things, the reason you're making big changes in your life is because it's something that you want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that is a great point. You know, as leaders, we should really value discerning things. Well, like looking at the people that are following us or are that we're leading and, and valuing, taking the time to discern, Hey, what, where can this person excel? How can I help this person? Do I need to spend time with them? Do I need to meet them where they're at? You know, as leaders, a lot of times it seems like if I'm a point A to point B person, I'm going and I'm getting there. It doesn't matter if anybody's coming with me, but those of us who care about bringing everyone along with us, can we take the time to be discerning enough to say, Hey, what makes you tick? And let me get in that place and inspire you or help inspire you to reach your goals too. And some people are really good at that. Other people are not like some people really care about that whole understanding (laughs) people's personalities and what's, what makes them tick. And that's not me naturally. That's why we're a team, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's really important to, to really care about understanding other people. I have too much of a tendency to expect that everyone kind of has similar thoughts and desires Mm -hmm. and drives. And that is absolutely not true. Yeah. 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 (laughs) 
on the motivation point, I think one thing that is true about a lot of us when it comes to making decisions is that when there's an area of our life, whether it's debt or I need to sell that car, buy a new one or whatever it is, a decision that you have to make for an organization, a lot of the time, the the way that we deal with that is by shoving it off to some place in our life where we don't have to look at it very much. But I think one way that can we can get around that is by doing something that I, I read about in a book a little while back. It's have you guys ever read Chip and Dan Heath's books? Uh, I think it's Switch or Decisive, where they talk about this idea of nudging. So when there's something that you don't want to do, you, you nudge yourself into it. So you just say, spend five minutes on it. Hmm. And so finances and investing is one area of my life that I, it's been like this for me. And so I just give myself a goal of trying to spend five minutes a day on look reading or doing something related to that. And that's just helped me to get into that mode where now I'm not ignoring it anymore. At least I'm looking at it. Yeah. And you really have to be, especially as a leader, you have to be someone who is modeling that for others. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't expect something from people. You can't call people to something if you're not willing to do it yourself. And yeah. that's, that's really important. Yeah. And you know, as a leader, you know that you've been through disappointments before you've been through failures before, you know, trial and error, and everybody doesn't have the confidence to say, Hey, I'm just going to go and risk it all. And I'm going to reach this goal. But how do you, how do we encourage them to say, Hey, it's going to be okay. We're going to take you through this. I'm in the middle of a book by Lisa Turkers called It's Not Supposed to Be This Way. It's just talking about overcoming disappointments, recognizing them and saying, hey, I can still get up and I can do this. So just kind of as a resource for our people, you know, those people who um, we're leading to help them know, hey, it is, it might be a little bit of trial and error, but you're even if you fail, you can get back up again. Yeah, so thinking about the modeling issue, you know, Sherry talked about how they, they celebrated whenever they finished paying off debt and they recorded that and you can go watch it on the YouTube channel. What they're doing right there is they're modeling that celebration. That may not necessarily be how they thought of it. Maybe it is, but they're, they're modeling celebration for other people. And I think that's really important to do. What I'm wondering is, do we do that well as leaders? And maybe, maybe do you do it well? Do you do a good job of, first of all, maybe just celebrating your own wins, but then also modeling that so that others can see it and know how to do it well. Yeah, I think I don't do a great job of celebrating wins. I'm one of those <laughs> plotters, and so I just tend to keep going, and I'm very regular. or plot? Plot, plot plotters, yes, with a D. <laughs> yeah, I just I get in a, a mode, I get in a rhythm, and just, and just go. But I think it, taking those times to really celebrate, it creates those peak moments where you say, hey, I'd like to get back up there at some point <laughs> and, and do that thing again. It makes it just seem from, it makes it not seem like it's just cyclical, you know, yeah. otherwise you just get in this mode where it seems like life is just waking up and doing the exact same thing over and over again. You big achievers. That's so <laughs> awesome. I, I definitely would consider myself a, a small victory celebrator, especially with the people that I work with, you know, sometimes them having the guts to make a phone call, you know, or, or being able to pay for their own gas, you know, these are small victories compared to maybe what normal people would call achievements. And so, yeah, I, I do believe in trying to, trying to stay um, really proactive to, to celebrate these small victories in my own life too. It helps me do that in my own life. Yeah, I have had friends who I think have modeled this for me and have helped me with it. A few years back when I was wrapping up this this PhD program I mentioned, 
my friends did a great job of at various points in the process, whether it was submitting the defense draft or whether it was, you know, having a successful defense or actually walking, they would help me celebrate at those points and really make a point of making a special moment. And I think it makes me want to do it more for others. And I'm just trying to think about now in my current organization, how I even go about that. What, what are those moments, you know? Yeah. It, what it requires is you really paying attention to the people around you and what's True. happening in their lives. And that can be difficult. <laughs> I'm going to do a, a quick throwback to Eric Maddox's episode last week. He talked about empathy-based listening, and he talked about communicating with the intention of understanding, not with the intention of convincing people or conveying knowledge. Yeah, but the reason good. that you're communicating with people is so that you can understand them better. And that's really important for him as super successful because he was able to get the intelligence information he needed for the Delta Force team to capture Saddam Hussein. That worked really well for him. But he's saying just in general in life, it's important to communicate with people to understand them and their context. And in doing that, you can know how to communicate with them better and to be a better leader in their lives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Sherry talked about some skills that she gained along the way to help her in different seasons of life. And she didn't know that these skills were going to help her when they did, but they did. So what about you guys? Are there any skills that you have learned that you thought, man, I didn't know this was going to be helpful, but now it is. Here's a silly example. I went to school at a community college here in Mississippi, and I got to learn landscape architecture, drafting handwriting skills mm. and I was never good at doing posters for events or things like that but here's a small skill that I learned in school that helped me like do really great posters after that's a silly example but another one of my examples is whenever I lived in Ecuador for two years I learned a language um, I learned Spanish and I didn't realize at the time that it was going to help me translate many things in various different ways in my current season. So it's kind of like a, a small victory and a bigger victory yeah. for me. Yeah. You know, I've got to have stuff like that in my life. There have been skills that I picked up, I think, but I just can't think of what they actually, like, <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't think of any that at the time I was like, this is totally useless. And now I think to myself, oh yeah, this is right. like really valuable in my life. I, I can't think of anything like that, but there's got to be stuff along the way that I didn't expect to use ever again. And then here I am today using it. So, uh, there's gotta be something and I, I wish I could think of something right off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah. I think the difficulty is that those skills often they become so second nature that you don't even think of them as skills mm -hmm. five years later, but it, they really do make a difference in your life. A, a few different areas that have, that's happened to me and have been, uh, Microsoft office. Tools. Okay. This is crazy. <laughs> I, like I, Microsoft word can do so much more than you think it can. Paragraph and it styles. never can do the things I want it to oh, do. Oh, that too. <laughs> <laughs> but like I, I was talking to a friend of mine who's currently writing a dissertation. She's going to have to format a bunch of stuff in the next couple of months. And I was telling her, do you know that you can actually go in and format all of your headings so that all you have to do is click on a section of text and it'll format it that way. And just something small like that, it really, like that, that revolutionizes how long it might take you to do a task like that. One thing that's been really transformative for me over the last few years is really streamlining my work process and how I get things done. So there's a book by David Allen called Getting Things Done. 
And he just talks about how to structure your life to be maximally efficient, but also stress-free as much as it can be. And I really tried to implement some of those principles that he has. And it's really helped me to be a lot more specific about how I'm doing things and also feel more productive at the same time uh, because I now have specific goals that I'm trying to get done every day. And when I tick one of those off, it's almost like celebrating, you know, because you say, Hey, I actually achieved that rather than just thinking, Oh, I don't know if I'm getting anything done today. So you're one of those list makers, huh? (laughs) I'm totally a list maker. I bought a planner for the first time last week, (laughs) like like a yearly planner, (laughs) put it in a box, hide it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that Sherry also talked about was just being ready to fly, to to set sail, to to go forth into the world and do whatever you think is what your life is all about. And she says sometimes there are things that hold us back from that. And this may be too deep for us to get into at the moment, but it's worth reflecting on. The question is, is there anything in your life that is holding you back from being ready to fly. And it could be something like debt. It could be anything else. But are the things that are keeping you from being the leader that you need to be and that the people around you need you to be? You know, I'm in a great position right now. Um, in this season of life, I'm really learning that I'm I'm a connector. I'm more of a connector more than a um, goal reacher. <laughs> I hope that doesn't sound too terrible. But no, I, I find that in different seasons of life, I'm definitely a person who can see opportunity. But I know that I need people on my team to help me reach those goals. So I actually think that I'm in a great position right now. Nothing is holding me back except for my own will. You know, if I if I choose to be lazy today, then nothing's going to get done. My proactivity is kind of based on my willingness to go ahead and connect people and, and get where we need to go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think for me, I look toward the next season and say, what are the things that I need to learn to excel at if this is going to be a really good season? So I'm going into my second year of teaching at a university now. And I think the skill set to master this, this year is going to be different than last year. So now I have all this material developed for classes that I've taught, but I think a key skill, for instance, will be learning to take that material and improve on it without spending a ridiculous amount of time reinventing the wheel. So that, that's one, one area that I've been thinking about for this coming year. Another one, and this maybe, maybe goes to your point about connectivity, but for me, I, I've moved to a new, new area in the last year. I'm very far away from family and don't don't really spend as much time around friends. A lot of my friends that I had before are not around anymore because I've moved. And so I've realized that developing new friendships has to be a real priority mm-hmm. for me because I'm an extrovert and because I need that. So I think one of the biggest challenges for me is to overcome loneliness and make myself feel like I have a sense of community that's going to support what I do this this coming year. So I think they're they're both sort of those goal-oriented mm-hmm. I- ideas and also more relationally-oriented things that can really help with that. So, what it sounds like is that even after you're ready to fly, there are going to be things that are <laughs> obstacles that you still need to get around. So it's, it's not that you aren't ready. It's just that as you are setting sail, as you're moving forward in life, there are still new skills to be learned. And you have to have that growth mindset if you want to continue flying, if you want to continue moving forward with your life. And that's one thing that Sherry mentioned in her interview. She said that every leader should have a teachable spirit. And so that touches on exactly what you just said. Always be willing to grow. Always be willing to be taught. 
Yeah, I, I think that that's really true. And maybe just to bring us full circle, I think one of the things that, that Sherry mentioned in her interview was where she and her husband got to that point where they said, we've got to do something. Mm-hmm. And I think to really be ready for the next season, you've got to be asking yourself, what is that thing that I need to be doing now mm-hmm. so that I don't have to ask that question when it's too late? Or when the problem has already gotten to a boiling point, how can I anticipate those things that my organization is going to need that are going to really help me grow as a leader and be what I need to be when I need to be it ahead of time? Well, Caleb, thank you for bringing us full circle with that comment. Let's go ahead and move (laughs) to our key takeaways for the day. What are some things you would really like to emphasize as we finish out today's episode? I think for me, two points that I took away from, from what Sherry said were make those hard but necessary decisions sooner rather than later. You know, she and her husband could have waited till they were way, way more in debt than they were when they, when they decided to start doing something about it. Or they could have made that decision way earlier and saved themselves a lot of grief. And I'm sure they would say, we wish we would have made that decision sooner. So I think for me, just figuring out how to get in a mindset and just develop a life rhythm where I'm making those good decisions sooner rather than later. Second thing is embrace the reality of criticism. Sherry talked a good bit about how she's learned to cope with criticism. And I think that's a really key thing for any leader to do. You just you need to learn not not just to live with it, but how to actually let it make you better and take take on what's valuable, leave aside what's not. But you can't let it kill your identity every single time someone says something to you that you need to improve on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's there's wisdom in, in a multitude of counselors. And I think that's something that we just kind of have to settle in our minds. It's OK to bring this before some trusted friends, some trusted people who are around us and say, hey, uh, am I on track here? And that's kind of something that I took away from this was find your pace, find your rhythm, kind of like you mentioned, Caleb. Um, Sherry did a great job by explaining to us what their rhythm was. We made a goal and then we went for it. So that's one thing that I want to apply to my life is, okay, what is my pace? What is my rhythm? And then let me just go for it and gain success from that. And I have three. First of all, uh, similar to what you said, Caleb, about criticism, which we didn't talk about today, but was a, an interesting part of, of the interview on Monday. Take people's critique with a grain of salt and value feedback from people who value you more than people who don't know you at all. Because oftentimes we kind of just take criticism as it comes at us and just mm. we value it the same. But take criticism from people who value you and value that more than the criticism from people that don't know you or care about you at all. Second, have someone ahead of you and someone behind you in your life. So have someone you look up to and learn from as well as someone in your life to encourage on their journey who's coming in your footsteps. And finally, take a first step forward, whatever that means for you. So if you've heard something today that is stuck with you, then maybe that's the thing that you should be changing in your life. It may not be related to debt, but as you've heard the interview on Monday and our discussion today, if there is something in your life that you're thinking, I need to go ahead and take a step forward, then do what Greg Nance said. He's in episodes five and six, and he said, take the smallest next step you can, just the simplest small step forward, and just begin changing in your life, whatever it is that needs to be changed. Well, Maria, Caleb, thank you for joining the podcast this week. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks Thanks for joining the show this week. I hope you learned something new and feel more prepared to take leadership in your own life to the next level. If you found this content valuable and would like to help out the podcast, here are three things you can do. One, subscribe to the podcast so you'll get new episodes each week as they come out. Two, 
Share this episode with someone you think could benefit from it. And three, give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes or wherever else you listen to podcasts. All three of these actions will help to make it easier for others to find us and join the community. You can never have too many good leaders, right? Until next time, keep living and leading well. Hey, thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist, it feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. If business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon. And until then, keep living and leading well.